The financial needs of a business go beyond tax and attest services. That's why CTBK goes beyond accounting services and offers outsourced solutions through their affiliation with CFO Solutions Plus. These additional services allow clients to focus on their operational and long-term strategic goals. Trust CTBK's outsourced solutions to provide cost-effective, value-added financial services tailored to your company's needs. Call CTBK at 716-630-2400. Again, 716-630-2400. Or go to ctbk.com to learn more about CTBK's outsourced solutions. Thank you for joining Tim Graham and Friends, brought to you by CTBK, CPAs and Business Consultants. I'm Tim Graham of The Athletic, here with Jonah Bronstein of the New Bronstein Times. And let me start off by wishing everybody a happy and prosperous 2022. Um, but uh, I think that for those who listen to this podcast, generally speaking, you're a Buffalo sports fan. And your happy and or prosperous 2022 is still in the balance uh, or could be decided, actually, within the next month and a half uh, with the Bills about to enter the playoffs. Uh, still one regular season game left because it is a 17-game schedule, uh, but they just played their 16th game. And that's what we're used to since 1978. Uh, the NFL has played a 16-game schedule. And so... Jonah, I think I want to start off uh, this podcast with a conversation about the Bills being 10 and 6. Uh, that's a way for us to digest um, the season so far, the regular season, based in using the de defined terms of, of usual NFL schedules. Uh, 10 and 6, if I were to tell you before the season began, uh, 10 and six, uh, what would you think, uh, how successful that would be for a Bills team with so much expectation heading into this season? Well, I think a lot of people would be disappointed. I think the projections were that the Bills would have a better record. They had a better record a year ago. And, you know, simply the over-under, I think that was 11 and a half. We had that preseason podcast about that. Me personally, I thought the Bills record would be worse this year than last year. I thought they had a lot of good luck and, and some of that luck would run out. And I was expecting not necessarily the season to go the way it did, but there to be more roadblocks and more hiccups and a less uh, smooth regular season. However, at 10 and six, maybe that record's a little disappointment, but I still think on balance overall, this is one of the all-time great Bill seasons. Their point differential, you know, plus 177 points through 16 games, that would be a team record, or that is a team record for 16 games, better than the 1990 season and per game, I think only the 1964 team in the AFL has been better. They are, let me look at this here. Well, they lead the league and not only scoring differential, but yardage differential, which they've never done before. They're in the top five in scoring and yardage on offense and defense. They've never done that before. Uh, they've never been in the, the only time they've ever been in the top eight before was that 1990 Super Bowl team. Uh, if you look at something like the football outsiders rankings, they're third in the league and, um, you know, they've been higher than that before, but rarely have they ever been a top three or four team in that metric. They've beaten other top teams, Kansas City, New England. They went into overtime with Tampa Bay. If you were seeding this like the NCAA tournament on resumes and overall performance, I think the Bills are a number one seed caliber team, or I guess maybe number two, the NFL doesn't have four brackets. The record doesn't reflect that, and their seeding in the playoffs won't reflect that. And they were up and down and the most inconsistent team in the league. But through 16 games, 
Uh, they're still one of the best teams. They're still a Super Bowl contender. Uh, people talked about this being a team in crisis a few weeks ago and that they couldn't win these type of games. Nobody thought they were – some people didn't think they were going to be able to beat New England and win the division, and here they are. All they got to do is win a home game against the Jets in week 17 – week 18, I guess this is, game 17, and they're going to get a home playoff game for the first time in – well, a home playoff game with a full stadium of fans for the first time in 26 years. So I think that's something that Bills fans should be celebrating if it plays out that way. I know that uh, really you talk about uh, whether or not a season is successful. Uh, it matters what happens in the playoffs. And of course, we're talking about the first 16 games uh, because it's a digestible uh, way to do it. It's what we're used to. Um, how far do you think the Bills have to get in the playoffs for this to be considered a successful season when you look back on it. Uh, the Bills last year got to the AFC Championship game, lost again to the Kansas City Chiefs, which they had done in the regular season also. And then throughout the offseason, uh, really modeled themselves as a team to beat the Chiefs, which they did uh, rather handily at Arrowhead Stadium during the regular season. Uh, the problem being is that maybe they – calibrated their team to such a way that they were vulnerable in other ways. They got so um, fixated on finding ways and finding how to beat the chiefs and made themselves particularly beatable against teams that can run the ball, uh, which was really a weakness heading into the season. Also, um, you know, you look back uh, last couple of years under Sean McDermott, they got ran upon. Uh, so, Yes, they, they conquered the Chiefs. They've shown you can you can talk about how the wind was the mitigator in that first game against the New England Patriots and with uh, what the Patri what the uh, Bills were able to do in Foxborough uh, behind uh, a line that was uh, that was really shifted around and, and juggled um, different people out with COVID. Isaiah McKenzie stepping up uh, the way the Bills looked in Foxborough. I think you can come maybe not comfortable is, a, is the word I want to use, but you can feel good about where the Bills are relative to the New England Patriots. So, yeah, I think that the, the, the Bills have shown growth in those terms. So I, I'm mentioning all this other stuff to say, do they have to get to the Super Bowl? Uh, because you say you need to improve on last year. Last year they got to the AFC Championship game, ergo – you need to get to the Super Bowl this year or just returning to the AFC championship game. Is that enough? I, I, I think that winning a playoff game is probably okay. You, you know, you, you take a look back at those Bills Super Bowl teams. They reached the AFC championship game in 1988. And then in 1989 did not get back that far and then went on a run of four straight Super Bowls. So you can, I guess, not get as far in the bracket and still have shown signs of growth and of being a better team. But do you think, how do you view it, Jonah? And I guess I'd, I'd like to get your thoughts on how you think fans will view it um, as whether or well, not it was uh, satisfactory or unsatisfactory. Fans and much of the media, the knee jerk response will be, you got to make the AFC championship again. This team made it last year. They brought pretty much the whole team back, might've added a little bit in free agency or at least a year of growth. This team was supposed to, if not take the next step, not take a step backwards in terms of playoff positioning. However, I don't think that should be the standard or, or it depends on how it plays out. But if say the bills win their first playoff game and then they have to go on the road at Kansas city and they lose that game in the second round, instead of the AFC championship game, 
Well, it's really the same result that you got last year. It's just the way the bracket and the seedings worked out that you had to play that game a week earlier. And I don't think that um, that should be considered a disappointing season. I think you, you could be disappointed because you thought maybe this is the year the Bills would break through and go to the Super Bowl or win a championship. But teams don't progress in a linear fashion. This team can be better or the same as it was last year and not get the same results. This could be part of the Bills' growth to being a Super Bowl team next year or in another year without having to reach the AFC Championship game or reach the Super Bowl this particular year. Uh, but I, I think the media and a lot of people set the Bills' fans up to feel like this was a team that should go to the Super Bowl and should win the Super Bowl and everything else would be a disappointment. And that's really tempered – I don't know if tempers the word, but that's really hung over the entire season. Every loss was an indictment about whether this team was a fraud or a pretender or a contender or not. And then every time they win, it kind of circles back to this is a great team. And there, I, I like to look at it a lot more – I think, though, Jonah, it had to take – it took a while to get back to that that feeling I think from a fan standpoint of being comfortable with where the team is because there was that stretch of two months following the Kansas city chiefs game in which the bills couldn't beat the good teams and was only and lost to Jacksonville. Um, And then when they did win a game, there was always the, yeah, but yeah, but it wasn't a good team. It was a backup quarterback. I mean, so there was a lot until the bills were able to, do what they've done over the last couple of weeks. Um, I think that there still was a lot of angst uh, regarding where they were as a team, their evolution. Um, is Brian Dable really the answer when six weeks into the season, Bills fans were, I think, as, uh, of the assumption that he's gone, that that some team's going to snatch him up. And then a couple months later, Bills fans want him fired. Um so it's been a it's been a wild ride that I think has only settled down just in time for everybody to get worried about the postseason. But I think it, it's taken quite a while for the Bills to um, settle through that turbulence uh, and show, OK, maybe, you know, we can we can actually make a run uh, into the playoffs, deep into the playoffs. Yeah, I, I, that kind of underscores how crazy some of the analysis has been. The Bills are third in the league in scoring and fifth in yards. And people think the offensive coordinator is doing a bad job and they need to make a change there. And I just know you may be text messages I got from friends and things like that. Once the Bills beat New England, people were looking straight ahead to the Super Bowl. So I think people overreact to the wins and overreact to the losses. It's probably the nature of being a sports fan. They probably do this in every market and every sport with every team, especially in the NFL when it's you have a whole week to digest and analyze the games. And every game is kind of a chapter in the story. But if you look at the season on balance, this team, I think going into the playoffs is just as good as it was last year and has a similar opportunity to go to the AFC Championship game or the Super Bowl, aside from the home field factors in the second round, really. And even in the first round, if some reason the Bills can't beat the Jets this week, they're not going to win the division and they're going to have to go to probably New England in that first uh, round of the playoffs. I muted myself there. Uh, I couldn't picture the Bills winning three straight games to get to the Super Bowl uh, just a, a well, couple of weeks ago because they went 11 weeks or almost three months without winning consecutive games. Right. And if you're going to be – if you don't get a first-round bye, you have to – and you want to hoist the Lombardi Trophy, you need to win four straight games. Well, now they've, they've won three in a row, uh, albeit two of the opponents are pretty weak. 
uh, in Carolina and uh, in Atlanta, and they're probably going to win a fourth. Uh, they're a two touchdown favorite to win a fourth in a row. Uh, so yeah, but, but somebody has to win three or four games in a row. Yeah. Uh, there will Usually be a the team that wins. It finishes on quite a bit of a winning streak, but I think you raise a very good point. That is the reason why I think the bills are capable of winning the championship and could beat any team on any given Sunday and win any one of these coming games, but I don't think they will. I wouldn't pick the Bills to go to the Super Bowl simply because they've been the most inconsistent team in the league, at least according to the Football Outsiders metrics. And in order to go to the Super Bowl, they're going to have to win three straight playoff games, probably two on the road, after having won four straight games in the regular season to finish it off. And I just don't think this team, the way it's performed so far this season, is going to win seven in a row to get to that Super Bowl and then eight in a row if, if they happen to win the championship in that game so what you're saying jonah is they should they should uh, kick this game they should tank this game so that way they don't have to worry about winning seven in a row now that they, then they only have to i mean win, that's the stub your toe theory on the way right. into the ncaa tournament if you're a really good team maybe you want to lose a conference game yeah well, i think to the- i think the bills view jacksonville is that uh is that one even though that was a while ago um, just to uh, set the scene here, th- there is still a regular season game left and there's some different uh, scenarios that could uh, alter this, of course, but just for the sake of discussion, uh, for those uh, listeners uh, slash viewers who uh, haven't paid really close attention to the bracket and the scenarios uh, heading into this game uh, against the New York Jets, if the Bills win it, they clinch the AFC East and home field advantage for at least the first round of the playoffs. If the Bills and the Patriots both lose on Sunday, the Bills still win the AFC East. The only way they won't win the AFC East is if the Bills lose to the Jets and the Patriots beat the Dolphins. That would put them uh, into um, tiebreaker situation. Uh, Patriots uh, would go, uh, would host uh, the Bills. Uh, in the first round, the way it's uh, standing. But we're talking about uh, the Jets being the Bills' opponent. ESPN's uh, football power index gives the Bills a 95% chance of winning the division. Uh, The Bills, for the record, cannot win the AFC East, or I'm sorry, cannot win the conference, meaning they cannot get the number one seed. They've been mathematically eliminated from that. Tennessee, Kansas City, and Cincinnati are the only three teams in play for that, with Tennessee having a decided advantage over the other two uh, based on um, opponents and all that other stuff here for the final week. Uh, so as it stands now, if Chalk, if Chalk wins out, the Bills would host the New England Patriots in the first round of the playoffs. The Bills would be the four seed. The uh, Patriots would be the fifth seed. And also, and I I think this is important because I have to remind myself of this too. This is the first time that the NFL has used this new playoff format going forward. Only one team gets a bye. And that looks like it's going to be the Tennessee Titans. Used to be two teams got a a bye heading into the, uh, going into the postseason. Now just one because so they can accommodate the extra team in the playoffs. Number two seed plays number seven. Number three plays number six. Number four plays number five. And then the lowest seeded team remaining after that, after the first round, gets to go to Tennessee uh, and play the Titans in the next round. So chalk as it stands, if the Bills were to host the Patriots and beat them, 
uh, as the four seed and the other top seeds went out, uh, it would be the Bills then traveling to Nashville for the second round. You can uh, start dusting off your Music City Miracle um, um, oral histories uh, as if you ha we haven't read enough of those uh, over the past 10 years. But anyway, I just wanted to set it up. I know that's a mouthful that I just said. There's a lot, of, a lot to sort through there, but that's just how the picture looks right now. Yeah. Any thoughts I mean, on any of that? Yeah, I have a few thoughts. One, you know, I don't know. Can we, should we assume that everything's going to go chalk, that all the favorites are going to win in week 17 and all the home teams are going to win in the first round of the playoffs? No, there are going to be some upsets. Right. So that, and that could change a lot of things. And if there's two upsets outside of the Bills and the Bills might get a home game in the second round. But if it is chalk, or even if it's not chalk, I guess you're saying, who would you rather play, the Chiefs or the Titans in the second round? And that's an interesting kind of conversation and debate because if you go purely on results, well, the Bills won pretty easily in that game at Kansas City, and then they went and lost in the game at Tennessee. Now, the Bills played well, at least on offense, and were a yard or two away from winning that game. And if Deion Dawkins doesn't kind of miss his block and get knocked back into Josh Allen, I take issue with everybody saying that Josh Allen slipped, and that's the only thing that kept the Bills from winning that game. The whole left side of that line was caved yeah. in. And I, and I think By the way, and while you mentioned Deion Dawkins, quick aside, a real quick aside, I've been pretty tough on Deion Dawkins. I was surprised, quite frankly, to see him earn uh, Pro Bowl honors. As surprised as I was that only two Bills got it. If you were going to tell me two Bills are going to make the initial Pro Bowl roster, I would not have guessed that Deion Dawkins was one of them. But he has been playing very well lately, and I've been rough on him on the podcast and on the Channel 4 pregame show and all that type of stuff, but he's, he's been playing great lately. Well, he's always been a better run blocker than a pass blocker, I think, and the Bills have been running the ball a bit more and a bit better in the last couple of weeks. But it does seem like he's found a rhythm, and for whatever reason, he was struggling a bit in the first half of the season. And maybe, because I'm not watching the All-22 in every play, maybe he was playing pretty well. There were just some – Notable high-profile plays where it seemed like penalty, he, bad penalties. Yes, yes. Um, and, and I don't think he's gotten a penalty in the last few weeks. So yeah, right, he has. Right. Maybe getting into the Pro Bowl ignited his confidence and that made him into a Pro Bowl performer. But yeah, I, I would say you'd rather. Maybe he play didn't have fight. COVID the second time. Maybe he was bitten by a radioactive well, spider. No, I mean he probably did test positive for COVID, but maybe I'm he joking. didn't get sick, and maybe that was something that was affecting him and his conditioning and his strength and his timing. And the everything. first time that he had it, he lost a ton right. of weight. He was in the hospital. And he thought he, he was going to die. Missed the majority of training camp and came back underweight, and maybe he was just playing behind the gun for a few weeks. And maybe there's other factors and there's other reasons, and maybe he wasn't playing that poorly all along. But it does seem like he came back from this latest episode with the coronavirus a lot better than he did the first time and has made a difference going in there in the last two weeks when he came off the bench in the game a week ago at New England and then he played very well in this past game against a team that isn't that formidable I mean this was an easier opportunity I think for the Bills and the offensive line to play well Ryan Bates his presence maybe has helped Deion Dawkins and other players next to him on the offensive line but to get back to the question you asked Aside from maybe Deion Dawkins having a tough matchup against Tennessee, maybe that happens to him again. But I think you'd rather play the Titans than the Chiefs. The Chiefs really have it rolling. They look like the juggernaut team that they were a year ago and have been for a couple of years. And that looked like a very difficult game. And, you know, Coming off that AFC Championship game last year, it looked like the Bills are never going to go to Kansas City and win 
at Arrowhead in the playoffs in that situation, that they would need the home field advantage in order to get over that hump or not have to play. Kansas. The Bills had Tredavious White the first time they were at Arrowhead they Stadium. They don't have them this time, right. Yeah, That would be a big Bills, difference. The Bills have other – maybe they're getting past it a little bit, but the Bills don't have as healthy a roster as they did a year ago. I think going into the last week of the regular season last year, or maybe it was the first playoff game, they had a completely clean injury. It was amazing. They didn't have an injury. Something you can't count on. You can't count on that ever. Yeah. And you can't count on the Bills even being as healthy as they are right now. There still could be virus issues that knock players out of games. There still could be another injury or two. Perhaps this injury to Ryan Bates with the other injuries the Bills have had on the line could throw off uh, the chemistry and the way the line has been playing the last couple weeks. But the Titans might not be the same team that they were. They're not the same team without Derrick Henry. And Derrick Henry, I think, is they're hopeful that he comes back for the playoffs, but we don't really know if he will or if he'll be as effective. And so I think that's a more winnable game for the Bills, I believe, than Kansas City. And especially just coming off, you want to look at the results and say the Bills are – it's natural to look at the results and say, all right, the playoff rematch is going to go like the regular season game. But oftentimes, especially in football, when you can come out with different strategies and different schemes and different plays, the team that wins in the regular season doesn't necessarily have the advantage in the playoff rematch. So I think the fact that the Bills lost that game might work in their favor if they have to go back to Tennessee in the playoffs. But I think overall, having to go on the road in the second round is a disadvantage for the Bills, and they'd be better off if they would have been better off if they had won another game or two and and had a higher seed and had two home playoff games coming up. And they'd be better off if upsets play out in a way that they do get to host in the second round of the playoffs. I misspoke earlier. I want to correct myself. Uh, There would not be a tiebreaker situation uh, with the Patriots and the Bills because the tiebreaker is in play right now. The Bills have the nod on the Patriots because they're both 10 and six now. So if the Patriots win and the Bills lose next week, the Patriots get in outright uh, as the AFC East champion because they'd have 11 wins and the Bills would only have 10. So I just want to correct myself on that. Which – this is a bit of a side point, but I, I like that because I don't like, I know you've mentioned that a couple of times in the podcast and other people that follow the, the bills very closely in the NFL, very closely want, they think like a coach and they might want to think, Oh, we really want to get into this last game of the season and not have to play for anything and rest our guys and, you know, not show anything in the, on the film that's going to affect us in the playoffs. But as a, for the entertainment value and for the fans and for, the media and for everybody that has to watch this game against the Jets, it's much better when there's something on the line and at least the bills have to play hard and the Jets should have to play hard too, but they don't have as much to play for. I hate covering these. It's now week 18, but week 17 games when there's nothing on the line and the backups are playing and the NFL is spotlighting this game, moving it from one o'clock kickoff to four twenty-five because they want the drama. They want something to be in the balance as long as deep into the night as you can go. Uh, for the NFL. So if the Bills were to play at 1 o'clock and win that game, then then you have irrelevance uh, for, for part of the, the afternoon game. So making the Bills play the Jets, making everybody wait. Um, of course, if the Patriots lose to the Dolphins, but the, the NFL's banking on – the NFL banks on chalk in these situations to keep using that word. So, yeah, the NFL has uh, has put some importance on this game. Yeah, and I hope the Jets come out and play to win and make it a competitive game. Bills fans probably don't want that to be the case, but I hope it's not a run-for-the-bus game for the Jets and that they make the Bills earn this victory and earn this division title and that it's not. Aside from maybe those of us that want to write our stories at halftime, 
uh, you know, I hope it's a competitive game in the second half. Uh, I'm going to tip my hand. Uh, there really are no surprises, but we do our players to watch uh, on Channel Four and and the the hour the uh, you know the pregame show that we do on on the other network also. And uh, my player to watch this week is Mitchell Trubisky, and my key to the game is to get Josh Allen off the field as soon as possible. So that's well, again, I'm doing it from another- an analysis standpoint. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I you want to make sure that you don't have like the Patriots did a few years ago, um, you know, what, whatever the weather is going to be like, um, we can talk about that too. And whether uh, as Sean McDermott seems like he's falling in love with the run game. Uh, he had some comments uh, after the game about that's how you're going to have to win um, in this weather here in Orchard Park, to which I'm like, don't, don't fall in love with that, Sean, <laughs> you know, don't just because you think you had this outlier of a rushing game that you can then, you know, pound it down somebody's throat in the first round. That's a plan B. That shouldn't be your plan A. Uh, but anyways. Um, well, I think that's a good point because if, because of the potential for injury or a virus positive that could potentially. I was going to, I was going to reference when Wes Welker in a meaningless game for the Patriots 10 years ago or whatever it was, got his foot caught in the turf down in Houston and blew out his knee and the Patriots end up going into the playoffs without their best receiver uh, and, uh, and, and fell apart. So yeah, you don't want, but if the bills possibly need Mitch Trubisky to come in and win a playoff game for him, it would be very beneficial if he has to come in and win a regular season game for him. If he can get a few more meaningful reps than he's gotten so far this season, you know, you, here's a point to ponder Jonah. Here's a point to ponder. Okay, so Mitchell Trubisky, obviously, at his age and where he is in his life, you think that, and he's been with the Bills now for several months. He knows the playbook, probably cover to cover. Uh, He's been in the system. He knows the vernacular. He knows how Brian Dable thinks. He knows this X, Y, Z. He knows it all, right? But is Mitchell Trubisky a better quarterback right now going onto the field, trotting onto the field and into the Bills huddle than he was at the end of last season? Probably not. And the reason being is because he doesn't get reps. He gets like a handful of reps in practice during the week. Um, Josh Allen takes all the, you know, since training camp and preseason games, Mitchell Trubisky has, hasn't gotten hardly any meaningful snaps. So I think you can, I, I think it's, I don't think you can quantify it, but I think it's interesting to ponder that Mitchell Trubisky just because he's been around for a year doesn't mean he's necessarily going to be able to go in there and, and do it all he's, he's he doesn't have the practice well I had that thought looking back at the Bills comeback game against the Oilers when I was thinking about you know Frank Reich wins that game but it wasn't the first time Frank Reich had came in and won a game for the Bills it wasn't even the first time that season he had done that a time or two that particular season and a half dozen times or so in the seasons prior between 89 and 92 yeah. whatever that was and he probably doesn't win that game he's I don't think that Frank Wright comes and leads them in that comeback if he hadn't played a significant role in other regular season games that mattered, not just the week 17 or back then it was week 16 game that didn't matter. That having to game reps, you can't really simulate game reps in practice. You can try to, that's of course what they do in practice, but having to go out there and play with something on the line and execute and adjust and make quick decisions on the field I don't know if Mitch Trubisky is regressed to the point where he'll never be as good of a quarterback as he was. No, that's not what I'm saying. I don't want to say right. that. I'm just saying that just because but, he's been around for a year doesn't mean he has continued to 
evolve as a as a, a thrower, as somebody who can go out and lead your offense. He's yeah, been think, stagnating. He's been he's been sitting. He's stale. He's yeah, been sitting there not with game not action. playing. If if they're going to have to count on him in the playoffs, and maybe they won't. Maybe Josh Allen plays every play. But if Mitch Trubisky does have to get called upon in the playoffs, I think you're going to the Bills fans are going to wish he had more experience in the regular season. Even if he comes in this week and doesn't play well, I think that can give him some game action and game reps and game experience that would help him if he has to get called upon again in the postseason. Yeah. Um, there's and that, been that goes re- for any position too. And I think sure people were pretty up in arms over the players that tested positive and missed the new England game before the new England game. Turns out the bills didn't need many of those players to win the game, but I think it helps when your backups have to go in and play and that it makes you better in the long run. And coaches will say this, that the adversity, uh, once you get through it, makes you a stronger and better team. And it also gives you confidence and belief and gives the players belief and confidence in themselves that will be beneficial when you get, if it happens that they have to come in and play again. What are your thoughts? Uh, We're seeing quite a bit of it. And we have been for the last couple of, well, three, four weeks, I guess, since the weather has really turned here after Thanksgiving fans. uh, And and I think particularly no, I think we can go even go back to that Colts game when the Indianapolis Colts, a dome team came in and out weathered, uh, the the Buffalo Bills in Orchard Park and Frank Wright was uh, almost in tears after the game with how his team pounded out that victory and um, the Bills looked like uh, they were the dome team. In fact, uh, a lot of fans have been talking about uh, with the new stadium, uh, got to have a dome, got to have a dome um, that uh, the Bills don't look as good in this kind of weather. Um it's been a really awful weather season for the Bills, even going back to the opener. I mean, there's been rain. It's been brutally, you know, it's been second. wind. Um, yeah, it's it's been a terrible, terrible weather, uh, weather season. Um, you know, talking to the photographers, those guys who really have to prepare for it and are out there every game and have been out there for years, they say it's the worst uh, season that they can remember uh, from a uh, from weather condition standpoint. Um where, I don't know that we've talked about it. Where are you on a, on a dome? Do the Bills need a dome to, to, uh, for, uh, for football purposes? Well, my take on it has very little to do with football or the current construction of the roster. You know, I could care less whether the weather affects Josh Allen favorably or not or kind of that old school thought that the Bills had an advantage playing in the snow against Miami or uh, the Oakland or now the Vegas Raiders or teams like that, that from warm climates would come here and not be as prepared to win. And then on the other hand, people will say the bills are a warm weather team now, or at least they play that way. And these weather games have affected them negatively throughout this season. And if you're a bills fan, you probably are a little nervous about the Patriots coming back here. And maybe there's a lot of snow and wind and, and the game script goes a lot the same as that Monday night game. This could be a Monday night game as well, but I think that's foolish to, to have that be the reason why you decide either way if, if there should be a roof on the stadium or not, especially people make it very specific about Josh Allen. This stadium is going to outlive Josh Allen's career by a long time. Josh Allen might not even be on the roster by the time the right, stadium right. is built. And Josh Allen may evolve into a quarterback that plays better or is more comfortable playing in the, the rain and the wind and the snow than he has been so far. Maybe A point of, these- of order, by the way. Matt Ryan, prior to – 
Sunday had only played one NFL game in the snow. Yeah, and he, so, he didn't play great. And he looked he pretty look, good. Yeah, he didn't look like it was affecting him at all. Now, he played at Boston College, right? So he maybe has he some. He did, but those, that season's over with early. You know, yeah. you're talking about a college football season that's over, you know, in, what, mid-November. Yeah. But I think the Bills should build a new stadium with a roof, whether it's a retractable roof or a dome or however you want to put a cover on the top of that stadium for reasons that have nothing to do with the current football team and have everything to do with that it's a much more functional building. If it's an indoor environment, you can do a lot more things in the off season or with other sports. It's a more comfortable situation for the fans. You don't have to plow the field. You don't have to hire people to shovel snow out of the stands. You don't have to have people running leaf blowers over the yard lines at halftime. It's just a much, I think, more functional and useful building if it has a roof or a retractable roof. Um, I think with a retractable roof, you can even have a grass field which I don't know if that's a positive sure, the, or a negative. They do in Phoenix. Right. So, and that's good for player health. I don't know if that's even on the table, but I think, I think they should be looking at building the best possible stadium for Western New York fans and everything involved with it, as well as the Bills, but not simply what the Bills, and I understand the Pagulas have a lot of say in this, but not simply what is the best situation for the Pagula family and the current Buffalo Bills. This should, the stadium should be built for the future, for all of the stakeholders in Western New York and the team. And, you know, maybe there'll be future owners that wish there was a roof on the stadium. So I, I know there's another option that perhaps they could build the stadium without a roof, but build it in a way that the roof could be added later. I think they should at least take that step. You said stakeholders. And the stakeholders of Western New York, and I actually heard stakeholders, meaning let's we want to keep it as cold as possible out there. All the stakeholders oh, okay. uh, of Western New York, um, you know, Terry Pagula has has said and made it known that he does not want a dome. Um, this new stadium, the proposal is for grass. Um, I, I think that a lot of uh, Terry Pagula's thoughts on what a stadium should be uh, are reflected by what you see in Pittsburgh. Uh, however, the biggest say in this is the governor and or the, the state uh, in terms of how much money is going to be spent. And I think that if it's a stipulation of, OK, we're going to give you this money, but we want this building to be able to be used for other things and we would like you to put a roof on it, then I believe that Terry Pagula would say, okay, we'll put a roof on it. So I, I don't think that he, it's a, it's a line drawn in the sand that he cannot and will not have a dome stadium. I think it's, it's quite possible that the bills end up in a dome stadium. I'm not saying it's likely, but I think that the money is going to decide uh, whether or not uh, the dome is put on it. And I don't, uh, I just would say that based on, based on my sourcing and my reporting that the Pagulas aren't going to be the one to pay for it. I think it'll be a situation where they say, okay, you want a, a roof on it? Then you can, if you want to pay for it, we'll, we'll play under a roof. Um, do, do you so think we'll, the we'll see NFL, where that Does the NFL have any say in that? I mean, I know the bills Buffalo would never get a Super Bowl because of the hotels and the market size, but there might be other marquee football events or, well, I've interviewed situations. two of the most uh, influential owners when it comes to stadiums, Jerry Jones, and um, uh, Art Rooney II, uh, who is chair, had been for decades chair of the uh, stadium committee, uh, and Jerry Jones, of course, being Jerry Jones. And both of them, uh, well, Jerry Jones said, 
it, it was his belief that the only time you need a dome is for air conditioning, meaning so it's the opposite of what you think. That's that was his take. Hmm. And then Art Rooney's um, conversation with me, which were both published at The Athletic. Feel free to go check it out. Art Rooney's was a Q&A. The, the story I did with Jerry Jones was uh, more of a uh, analysis. But uh, Art Rooney said that yeah, that's his own personal belief that football should be played outside on grass. So those are two of the guys who are most uh, plugged in, I think, when it comes to the NFL's thinking, obviously. And neither of them mentioned anything. They, they were opposed to a dome. Okay. Now, there's been talk out there. I've written about it, uh, especially with Art Rooney laughing at the concept of the Bills hosting a Super Bowl. There are still some fans, and I see it out there. And um, they think that a dome means a super, they get a Super Bowl because Minneapolis got one with a new stadium. Atlanta got one with a new stadium. Of course, we're talking about warm weather there. But uh, the Jets and Giants stadium got hosted a Super Bowl outdoors in the winter. But look, Pittsburgh put in for a Super Bowl and was pretty much laughed out of the room. Um, Rooney said that nobody took him seriously. And that's Pittsburgh, which is a much larger market it is a much more of a, you know, with the mystique of Pittsburgh and football and the whole thing, it's an easier sell, I'm sure, for the other owners than Buffalo would be. So, no, I don't think that, not even I don't think. Uh, the, a Super Bowl is not coming to Buffalo if there's a dome on the stadium. Now, do you get things like the combine, uh, those types of things that pass through? Probably. Um, maybe does, does the NCAA look at it? Uh, for venues and NCAA um, basketball regional, you know, Buffalo sure. hosts first round events, but those regionals tend to go in football stadiums. There's other concerts, uh, concert. Played. If the Rolling Stones want a tour in March, uh, Buffalo becomes a, a, a possible destination, uh, whatever. Uh, but yeah, there's, there are all kinds of things. Now I personally, I don't think that we're going to, if, if the bills, if, if the stadium has a dome on it, uh, 10 years later, we're going to look back and say, man, you know, look at all this stuff we got. I think a couple of things are going to happen here or there, but there just isn't a ton of events out there um, that, that would, uh, that, that you're going to get on a regular basis. Um, but uh, again, it's not my money. I guess technically it is our money. It's there's, there's a public assistance involved. Um but I personally don't care one way or the other. I've just been trying to report uh, that Terry Pagula would rather play outside on grass. And, but I think that he is open to whatever. Well, that's nice. I mean, I, the stadium's probably going to outlive Terry Pagula too. And perhaps there could be yeah. another ownership group at some point. So I don't think that, I understand it's a lot of his money and his opinion maybe should be factored in but that shouldn't be the end of the conversation just because Terry Pagula likes when it looks like a snow. Right. Globe. It's a civic building and it should, you know, it's, it, you know, the, all, like you said, all the stakeholders, all the stay warmers uh, in Western New York would, uh, would uh, like to have a say in that. And you could also look, put I, some advertising on the roof of that stadium that, that make a little money that way. Sure. Think of all the people who see whatever logo is on top of the arena. You got to get on the skyway to see it, but, um, but you see it. I mean, you're driving there. Yeah. It's hard not to look and take notice as, you know, 
Um, Jonah, let's talk about COVID before we wrap things up here. I know that uh, you have your finger on the pulse of the, the high school and college well, communities. I have a finger here. on my own pulse, check in my recovery. On occasion, you need to do that. Um, St. Bonaventure's uh, had four games in a row postponed. Uh, where, where are things, I mean, how do you, how do you think that the leagues uh, are handling this so far? I think the leagues are handling it as best they can. You know, there's two different, there's two strong willed sides of this. And some people will say um, the leagues aren't doing enough for the institutions, the college institutions aren't doing enough. Some think they're doing too much. It, it depends kind of where you fall in the different camps about how seriously you take this virus. But what's clear is that, you know, with this Omicron variant, cases are rising rapidly throughout the world, throughout the country that it's affecting sports at all levels in all sports. It's affecting maybe some more than others, the indoor sports more than the outdoor sports and the college. There's high school games getting canceled left and right. You know, there's a lot less vaccination with the younger population in high school and even maybe college. And I think that's factoring into things that with the NHL, the Canadian government is a lot stricter right now with the restrictions they're putting in place and they're not allowing fans into the buildings for games. So it's, it's a big factor. I think when you look at it with the Bills, it seems like the Bills are beyond it. They had some of their marquee players and their marquee unvaccinated players tested positive already. Now they can't test positive again and can't miss any more games. But I don't think as a country and as a sporting world that we're anywhere close to being past this. And even though the NFL and the NBA have relaxed some of their testing requirements in the hope that less players will test positive and there'll be less effect and less postponed games, I think you're still going to see players be knocked out of playoff games in the NFL and regular season games in the other sports. And with the colleges, yeah, the colleges are much more likely to postpone a game because of a few cases than the professionals. They pick up new players and they play with skeleton rosters. And you're seeing college basketball is having a very difficult time getting through its season. It's already had to change the way they're approaching the virus. Coming into the season, it was said that if you weren't able to play a game because of virus issues that you would have to forfeit. Now pretty much every league has walked that back and they're postponing games and there'll be no contest. Uh, I think the NHL and even the NBA a little bit with the Canadian teams is dealing with this more than anybody. And I think it's interesting that with American sports, specifically the NFL, maybe not the NFL because it's outdoors, although not all the teams are outdoors, but we only look at it in the context of, these players are missing and this team might be weakened for the game. Is that fair or unfair? And, you know, how much of a factor will that be? It's not always a factor. If the Bills and the Colts with their offensive line, sometimes you win with these guys out of the lineup. But there hasn't been, I don't think, any real public discussion about whether um, fans shouldn't be in the stands or whether there should be restrictions on capacity. I mean, when this pandemic started, the first thing that happened, before they canceled all the games, they said no fans at the NCAA tournament or conference tournament games. That was the first kind of restriction and measure that was put in place. And now because of the revenue and things that are involved, the leagues and, and even the colleges seem very reluctant to go to that tactic this time. But, you know, that would seem to be a, a safety measure that would be worth considering. I mean, these football games certainly, I think, fall into the category of super spreader events or potential super spreader events with the number of people coming to these games and how closely they sit and the indoor concourses and things like that. 
and all the events tied around it too. You know, the leading up to the game and people travel and they make their rounds of the different parties and uh, events. And yeah. um, and I think that, that that hangs a little bit as a cloud over what I believe is the big storyline going into and coming out of this last Bills game, that the Bills can get that home playoff game with a full stadium and have that kind of feeling around town that was there in the 90s with the team and guys can go sit in hot tubs in the stadium parking lot for four days before the games and all that kind of fun and celebration and, and everybody having a party at their house or their local bar if they're not going to the game. But with the situation with the virus, does that make that less likely or less something to celebrate and encourage and lean into that, that maybe they would in a different year? Yeah. Although, you know, you remember the banners that were out at city hall last year, everybody going and having their picture in front of the banner. That was the big communal place. Uh, everybody to get together because they couldn't be at the stadium. Um, yeah. I, I think that the tailgating for the playoffs uh, you know, there's uh, it's, I think we saw, we're going to see a lot of the similar activity that we saw at the start of the season. Um despite the cold and, and whatever, um, but having trouble getting to the stadium, uh, leave, you're going to have to leave a lot earlier because there are going to be people who want to hang around there who aren't, don't even have tickets to the game. They're just going to want to tailgate and party. And, uh, and then uh, once the game gets close enough, uh, go to the, go to their home bar or whatever. And yeah, I think it's, uh, that's, that's what, that's what you do it for. That's why you're a fan is to get to this point. You've earned the right to now have a lot of fun in the playoffs and you hope that the ride lasts as long as it can. And playing at home is, is a big part of that. So you can be shoulder to shoulder with your, with your fellow fanatics. That's why these leagues exist in the way that they do. The wins and losses really don't matter. I mean, they they're structured to matter and make you believe that they matter because that's part of the, the fun of watching the game. You want to believe that there's, real stakes on the line, but the games are just entertainment shows for the fans, whether they're at the games or on TV. And last year we found out that the, the game and the sports can go on as only a television product, but it's obviously enhanced and makes more money and is better for everybody involved when there are full stadiums and full arenas. And when, now we're seeing that, you know, that can blend with a virus environment for better or worse. That it's, it seems like we've crossed that bridge already. I don't, I don't expect other than, what's going on in Canada. I don't expect many games played in empty arenas, definitely not in empty football stadiums to happen again. Uh, Maybe in the next pandemic, but I do want to make one quick comment about St. Bonaventure because he asked, I mean, it's an interesting situation. They haven't played since December 17th. They're scheduled now to open Atlantic 10 play this Saturday at home against St. Louis. So that'll be, you know, 22 days, three weeks after they last played. That's not ideal. You don't want to have that kind of breaking your schedule. But Bonaventure was a team with Kyle Lofton's injury that was reeling a little bit, two straight losses, and seemed to be kind of beat up in, in the sunken place a little bit with how their season was going. So maybe this time off is a bit of a blessing for them. And Kyle Lofton has tweeted something to that effect. And it allows them to reset and really come into – it's truly two different seasons now for Bonaventure. They had that non-conference season where they did – quite well, eight and three, and two of those losses were against UConn and Virginia Tech and neutral floors, and they won some good games on neutral courts. Now, three-week pause, it's almost like a junior college schedule, 
and now you're going into your conference play and they're no longer a top 25 team and might not really get back into that mix at any point in this season. And their status as a, you know, off the bubble, surefire at large team is in jeopardy, but maybe this pause and refocus on Atlantic 10 play allows them to make a big run in the conference and get back to that point or back close to that point by the end of the season. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, how they come off of this break and whether they look healthier and better than they did going into it. Before we go here, Jonah. Oh, you know what? It's a good time. Uh, I, I want to talk. I guess I'll tease it. Uh, for those who follow on Twitter know that I received something interesting in the mail from Joe Doe was on the, uh, on the postmark or the, uh, the return address. So obviously somebody trying to disguise their identity sent me something and we're going to talk about it. Uh, and I'll show everybody uh, this thing, which if you haven't noticed, it's been over my shoulder the entire podcast, if you're watching here on YouTube. Um, but before we get to that, I just want to point out that uh, Amherst Pizza and Ale House is where you want to go to watch all the college and pro football games and the pay-per-views. Don't forget pay-per-view boxing, pay-per-view MMA. They are all over it at Amherst Pizza and Ale House. 55 Cross Point Parkway in Getzville. That's right off Millersport Highway in the 990. A ton of TVs when weather permits or even uh, when you think it might not permit. The patio sometimes is open there. The TV's out there because they have heat going out there on the patio. Uh, and it's actually a pretty cool uh, way to, to have a beer uh, or do whatever you want to do there um, within the bounds of the law, I, I suppose. Recognized by ESPN.com as Western New York's top spot to watch sports. That's where Jonah Bronstein and I go uh, when we're done uh, covering the games on Sunday. Uh, stop in or call for takeout and delivery. 716-625-7100. Again, takeout, delivery. Want to make a reservation? 716-625-7100. Amherst Pizza and Ale House. Amherst Pizza and Ale House remains possibly my favorite place to urinate. <laughs> you get to read the newspaper while you're doing it. And... That's right. I'm an online Buffalo News reader, so I guess that makes me a buffalonews.com reader. I don't see the paper, but for tacked above the urinal at uh, Amherst Pizza and Ale House. You get to appreciate that design and headline writing. Right. The smell of newsprint. I, I don't know you're smelling. That's what you're smelling. Um, Sometimes you got to lean, you got to lean real close to the wall to get it, but it does work. It has a bit of an air freshening effect. Great spot. So many taps there. They have so many beers on tap, um, constantly cycling through new stuff from the local breweries and uh, the urinals are old kegs. That's kind of a cool feature. That is. I don't, know, I don't know what the women's bathroom is like, but the men's bathroom is an interesting decor. It is. It's from Kegworks. A uh, college buddy of mine who uh, owns Kegworks um, makes those. Um, I don't know that he makes them anymore, but he made those that are Can there. I get one in my house? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um. So this, uh, I received this in the mail. This is on canvas, by the way. I think it's print. It's printed, but it is on canvas. And I will, it's got a wooden backing on it. And uh, for those uh, who are listening and not watching, uh, this is what I received in the mail. No note, uh, no name or no legitimate name uh, on the return address. It is uh, a 
artwork, I guess. Three women. Um, apparently, they're all wearing skirts because they don't have anything around their ankles. But they are in Bill's jerseys. There's a Josh Allen, a Cole Beasley, and a Stefan Diggs, and they are squatting uh, and going to the bathroom in urinals. Speaking of kegworks, these are not kegworks urinals. These look like st- standard stadium yeah, urinal because so they're all side. I'm guessing it's a stadium situation. Um, they're wearing high heels uh, to the game. Um, Interesting that the floor looks the same as the walls. You usually don't get that in interior bathrooms. Well, you're talking about an industrial, you know, you're talking about a stadium. You know, they just probably go through with coats of paint. Uh, you know, that's a, maybe an old stadium. Uh, Jonah, your thoughts when you see this? My initial thought is why are they leaning forward so aggressively with their hair hanging onto the ground? It seems like they could maybe the job done with maybe we're posture. assuming that they're they're going that they're tinkling. Either way, I don't know why you have to fold yourself up like that. I feel like you could sit up a little straighter. Maybe not. I don't know. I've never used a urinal that way. The elbow on this one, the elbow angle is that maybe she's finishing. You know, maybe she's cleaning herself up a little bit. Maybe that's why she's leaning forward so much. I'm curious if they're all vaccinated. One of them, we, we, two of them. We can't tell. They might be wearing masks, but we can't because their hair is hanging down over their faces. Are we sure protect that's the innocent? Actually, Cole Beasley in the middle because I mean the hair color matches. Could be. Could be. Well, I just wanted to share that. I received it in the mail. No note. It's good artwork. And uh, I've had people, people who want to buy it from me. Uh, I think it's available online, though. I don't think that this is an original. I think it really adds to the decor in your Zoom background. I think you should send it to that uh, Room Raiders Twitter account and see what their comment is on that. What do we think? It looks like the, uh, the Shred and Reagan fantasy football trophy is, uh, is now ho- is holding up the artwork. I don't know if I want to keep it there. This is my hat. This is where I put my hat. I'll find a, I'll find a place for it. I don't know. I'm if also be curious a- that there's an open urinal, but they're still right jammed next to each other. Like usually. Yeah. You spa- your, yeah the etiquette, etiquette is you space out a little bit right. you get to give some privacy. That's true. That's true. But you know, women, they are always going to the restroom in pairs. Yeah. Urinal etiquette, or I guess they don't use urinals. Toilet etiquette is different in the women's bathroom. Yeah. They, they're always going together. Um, Technically they could sit on each other's laps and still get the job done. I think you've gone too far. Just the, the physics of it, that would work. I think you've gone too far. Speaking of you, fantasy football, you can edit that out if you, if you think. I want to crow a little bit. I won the Elmo's League. I, I did not make the playoffs in the Buffalo Media League. Um, you know, the week that I had COVID and woke up at 1.30 and uh, had uh, two injured players in my starting lineup cost me against Jerry Sullivan. Uh, I lost that game, and had I won that game, I would have made the playoffs. But um, anyway, I was able to uh, – redeem myself in the Elmo's league. Well, I, I want to crow a little bit. I, I won the regular season title with the, the best record in my division and the most points overall in our 24 team media league, which is 
quite an accomplishment and I ended up finishing fifth in the playoffs. We have to let people know that it's 12 teams, two divisions. Right, but 24 which, different media members and I drafted the best team and had the best season. Of all 24, oh, you're saying. I but see. don't win the most money. That's one of my problems with fantasy football, the week-to-week nature. Yeah, hey, it's all about titles. It's all about the hardware. Congratulations to your athletic colleague, Joe Biscalia, won the league, commissioner. And Tyler Dunn had a tremendous comeback from being one and six and having probably the worst drafted team, according to Yahoo, and winning our division and being the, uh, the second-place team overall. Didn't Sully? I thought Sully had the worst drafted team because he was on auto pick and ended up with two kickers well, in the he first have, like seven rounds or something stupid. Just based on Yahoo predicting the standings on draft day because they, they keep that on the site. You can always look back at that and Tyler predicted to come in last. And rallied to make the playoffs, upset me in the second round of the playoffs and had a good performance. Tough. Well, Jonah, thanks for a uh, spirited discussion. Um, yeah, this was fun. It was the most we've spoken about Mitchell Trubisky all season. Uh, the most we've discussed urinals all season. I want to thank you. Uh, and I want to thank everybody who listens and watches uh, Tim Graham and Friends brought to you by CTBK, CPAs and Business Consultants. Uh, we'll keep doing it as long as, uh, well, as long as there's a CTBK, CPAs and Business Consultants, apparently. Uh, and uh, they continue to uh, appreciate our work, which uh, no guarantees. CTBK is more than just a full-service accounting firm. They are one team with an innovative approach to accounting and rise to each new challenge with collaborative problem-solving skills. CTBK goes above and beyond by lending helping hands in the Buffalo and Niagara community through volunteer work and donations and is partnered up with Victory Sports, for 2020 and 2021 to keep kids in the community active. The professionals at CTBK are determined to help individuals and businesses succeed. Whether a large corporation, a small business, or somewhere in between, call CTBK at 716-630-2400. Again, 716-630-2400, and see what CTBK's one-team approach can do for you.